I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back, everybody, to Ideas Digest, the live podcast practice where we look at the ideas that divide us to see if we can find the humanity that I think connects us. My name's Conrad, and if you're joining me for the first time, welcome, welcome to the show. But I will warn you, and I'll be honest, a bit of honesty for the, for the minute here, uh, it isn't always a pleasant listen. Now, I'll warn you at the top of the show, because we often pick up new listeners, you know, we're, we're talking to new guests all the time, and some of their fans see what we're doing, like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll give them a follow as well, uh, which is great, welcome, you, you're more than welcome here, uh, but... There's, there's kind of like, it might give you a wrong impression because you're listening to, you know, the person you like to follow and you're like, oh, what a great episode. That was really awesome. Um, but then the, the next week I might be talking to someone with the exact opposite opinion. And uh, I think a few weeks ago, I released an episode with friend of the show, Adam, who is a Southern evangelical Baptist. And, and hey, not that I look at my numbers on the account, which of course I do. It, the, the, it was dropping fast. Every day I'm posting like promos for that episode. It's like, pew, 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 just numbers, just diving. Um, so if I was smart, I wouldn't do that. But so that's kind of the point of the show is to find the ideas that challenge us. So if you're enjoying this episode, fantastic, great. But it's going to get harder from here. I'm going to, I'm going to try and find the ideas that really trigger you and, and then we'll dive into those as well. So some, some conservatives might be listening to, um, to this episode and be like, oh man, I can't handle it. I'm like, excellent. Thanks for sticking around. And hey, the next week it might, it might flip. So uh, other than that, uh, that, that's a bit of warning. Uh, let's get to the clickbait topic of this show because we started the clickbait because, hey, that's how society functions. It's the start of the conversation. It's not the end of the conversation. So with that said, I've started with a very broad clickbait today because I've been diving into the rabbit hole of deconstruction and people leaving the church because one leads to another. They're just dominoes. And I'm like, hey, I'm curious about this. So I'm just going to keep following the breadcrumbs, uh, so to speak. And hey, if you want if, if you want me to go a different direction, you've got to email me and be like, hey, talk to this person. I'm like, all right, cool. But I'm just following my nose here. And, and this is where we've ended up. So the clickbait today... Very broad and bit general. I might revise it because I can't, sometimes we come up with better ones. You know, who knows? Um, but the clickbait we're starting with is toxic theology and church. Very broad. Okay. And welcome new friends of the show, Rachel and Derek, who you may know as your favorite heretics. I mean, that's a big call, guys. Your favorite heretics. I mean, you know Rob Bell's out there as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We love yes. Rob. Um, it's funny. Actually, somebody <laughs> just uh, messaged us today and they were like, you know, the, this, this, and this is true. You guys are like walking the line of like heretical thinking. I'm like, have you, you read our, check our, did you see our name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they didn't know that you'd self-described as like yeah, heretics. Like we're ahead uh, of you. We already know. <laughs> we're using that scarlet letter as a badge of honor. It's like, yeah. Hey, if you want to call us a yes. heretic, at least be your we'll favorite just, ones. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It's, it's amazing how, how words can just defined by meaning. They can just lose meaning as soon as we start changing the context of it. So, you know, if, if heretics are a good thing, you might be like, well, thank you, sir. Thank you for, thank you for the label there. Um, before we dive into it, before we dive into the nuance, the interesting ideas, the different things uh, that, that you might have, 
I want to start where everybody starts, and that's with some judgments. So I've probably I've I've looked at your Instagram. I've got I got some judgments. People listening, they probably got some judgments about you, uh, just based on how you look, where you're from. But I'll be honest, I need more information to make some judgments about you. So. I'm going to ask you just some like cocktail mixer trivial questions, some surface level questions, just so I can formulate some judgments. I can go away and be like, oh, did you know that these guys are this? Um, so, so I'll just ask some, some surface level questions like, uh, where are you living at the moment? So we're in uh, metro Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States. Okay. Been here Atlanta, for, Georgia, I, I was raised here. Um, he is from LA. That's right. I brought him over here. Ooh. That's right. I'm from LA. Okay, so okay, from LA. Okay, I am. I am. I'm, I'm judging you. I'm taking notes. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I won't make assumptions. What kind of like degrees or school schooling did you have or s- your studies? Oh, gosh. So I am wrapping up my degree in religion. And you Sure, yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I've got an interesting journey. I spent four years... Uh, with nothing to show of it. I spent two years at a, a junior college out in LA and then uh, another two years in Bible college. And I was like, yeah, kind of burnt out. So <laughs> I'm now doing something complete. I'm doing something completely different. Uh, professionally, I do business development for a Remax franchise. So that's pretty fun. Um, a Remax. What's a Remax? Oh my, you, I'm judging you. You don't know Remax. <laughs> You're not allowed to judge me. We're yeah, in 110 no. countries, 130,000 uh, real estate so agents. Anyway, no, no, super exciting. Super exciting. Oh, real yeah. estate. Maybe I'm yeah. the ignorant one. I, maybe Australians <laughs> do know it. I'm just like, oh, Remax. So what? Real, you say real estate? Yeah, yeah. I'm not an agent, okay. but I I, re, I uh, help select be the though. best talent. Yeah. To join. Okay. Okay. And you guys. Uh, what generation do you place yourself in age wise? Millennials. We are millennials, so we're hitting mm, almost one of those. thirty. Yes. One of one of those <laughs> uh, millennials. Got it. Millennials. And you're a boomer. Right. Note there. Is that is that correct? <laughs> am I? Am uh, I yes. I, I don't give it away. I don't. Uh, the, the the mustache might lead you in that direction. Um, uh, <laughs> boomer from the eighties. The good old the good old days. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of some more surface level information. So, and growing up, you grew up. Did you grow up religious and what denomination? Atheist. Oh. And fundamental Christian. Very evangelical. Yes. Oh, man. Ooh. Okay. All right. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, it's maybe a curveball. You're like, oh, wow. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Rachel, did, uh, did you say what your job was at the moment? So I am actually a color guard coach um, at a high school that I live local to. And I coach about a group of 25 girls. I don't, you don't know what color guard is. It's not in there. I'm like, are you matching, are you matching paints on a fence? That's why I'm like, color, color bond is like a steel we have here. Have you ever seen the videos with like flags tossing and rifles and sabers? And we perform. Oh, like cheerleading? Well, it's with a marching band. Yeah. uh, And then. Yeah. They, yeah. So I coach high schoolers. And Which, a performing okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. At a very large American school. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like Friday Night Lights. Very large. A large school. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, all right. I think, all right, let me, 
I feel like our listeners are on the edge of their seats right now. You know, now. what are the judgments? That's America. That's for right. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so sometimes I put it out to the listeners and they send in some judgments after looking at your Instagram. We've looked at your Instagram. I've heard some very basic information. I've, I've met them. I'll be, so I'm going to be nice. I'm going to confess to you my assumptions and you get to say yes or no. Are they correct or not? And we'll discover how tiny these boxes don't always fit. Um, okay. Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta, all I'm thinking of right now, I did start just watching a TV show, Atlanta, uh, with, uh, that famous dude in it, uh, I've actually not heard of wanna... this. It's uh Danny Donald Glover? Danny Donald Oh uh, yeah, Glover. Yeah. yeah, Donald Glover, yeah. Yeah. Donald Glover, yeah, he's in it anyway. Um, Gambino, right? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's okay. in it. Well you should know it's it's from your town. So I'm going to Atlanta. It sounds like it's the south. It sounds like it's the south. So guns and horses. You guys both ride horses and sling guns. You got how many guns do you own? Uh zero. No, we own a gun. Oh yes, but it's not at our house. <laughs> it's a very, very, very small I've never small touched it in gun. my life. <laughs> it's a very small. Very s- okay, guns. Check. I will say a yes to that one. Uh, but it doesn't sound like you have owned any horses. Uh, no, actually, I know how to ride a horse, but I unfortunately, fortunately, drive a mom van. So you know, she doesn't ride a horse around I'm gonna- town. I'm going to put you as a yes, though, because you can ride a horse. I'm like, Atlanta fits the stereotype. I will say, uh, my brother-in-law, her sister's husband, is a a horse farrier, which is, I don't know if you know what that is, someone who trains horses. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For a living. Boom. Yes. I think my granddad was one of those. Really? Guilty by association. Yeah. Okay, and and Derek, you said you said you're from LA, so you're like That's this right. West Coast West Coast elite liberal. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay, okay, not one of them. Yeah. But you're both millennials, so you're both yes. this yeah. like generation of snowflakes. Yes. yes. Very mm-hmm. like yes. yep. Wore my heart on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. Really safe spaces. Don't hurt my yeah. feelings. Yep. yep. Right. Yeah. Yep, okay, yeah. okay. And usually use okay boomer in, in every other sentence, so that's yes, at least twice a day. At least. At least twice a day. Okay. And and Rachel, atheist, you love mm-hmm. Richard Dawkins and you are an evangelical atheist. So I was in high school. Oh. Yes. So before I converted to Christianity, you got me there. Yes. Man, oh, this is this is really good. I can just imagine the chorus of success that the Christians would have had raising you up on a platform like, look, we got a Dawkins yep. follower. Look at this. Yep. Um, okay, so mm, a yes, a yes and a no. Um, but right now, you both are looking at your Instagram. It looks like you're critiquing Christianity. You must be bitter ex-Christians right now. <laughs> you know i hate to fit all your boxes but i am i'm well no that's not the box okay we what? are bitter <laughs> i'm bitter personally I, i'm not bitter. i'm dealing with bitterness i i'm not bitter i'm gonna be honest i know that that's very not a good thing to be dealing with but i i am i mean, am dealing with bitterness you know i got diagnosed with ptsd okay. from some church trauma so Okay. Um, for me, it's a little different, but we're not ex-Christians. Yes, we're that, not ex-Christians. Okay. We're ex-evangelical, so yeah. ex I guess, is yes. the cool term. Um, being yes, it does yeah, sound cool. millennials, we need to use all the 
the right yes. terms. Labels. Yeah. That's right. Labels. That's okay. Right. And personal question of curiosity, just from me, which um, which I don't, I don't often do. Rachel, okay. did you get so Rachel has a, like a few tat, tats up her arm. Did you she get does? them before you when were Christian, after <laughs> you were Christian, or after you were like a different type of Christian? <laughs> um, so I got, oh my gosh, I went nuts when I started getting tattooed. So I started when I was 18 and I lived in a city called Richmond, Virginia, where everyone is tattooed. So I started getting really heavily tattooed when I was 18. Bad choice, bad mistake. Um, and then... I converted to Christianity when I was 20 and I still started getting tattooed. This actually um, is from the Isaiah verse. It's an eagle. Um, and then I and have a cross. cross on my hand. Um, and then, yeah, my most recent one was when I was 25 and that's Pocahontas. So, but I've not gotten So both. Since. Wow. My so, wife would yeah. love that. She loves Pocahontas. <laughs> who doesn't? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Who, who doesn't? That's correct. Okay. Uh, I feel like this was quite a successful game. I'm pretty bloody good at judging people i got a fair few yeses there what are some like assumptions that you have come across when either people come across your account uh your favorite heretics on instagram or when you when people kind of know you a little bit what what are some assumptions that they might that you've come across about you on a recent post someone was like oh i'm so sorry for all the pain that you've gone through and they they were like i could tell they were trying to be genuine and like you know, kind of the, I'm praying for you and that whole thing. Yeah. And we're like, you know, actually we're, we're okay, but we mm-hmm. just really want people to feel understood in their frustration and their pain. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times people do see us as like these bitter, bitter, ex- angry, Christ- yeah, angry. And I, I mean, as I said, I deal with bitterness, but it's not like, I'm not going to let that overtake what I put in front of an incredible amount of people, you know? Um, yeah. So that's, that's just kind of like where we are. Or, you know? yeah. Or another one is like, we don't like scripture mm-hmm. because we critique it. Um, or we like to pick and choose, you know? Yeah. But yes. I don't know. Yes. It's just kind of a lot of people think that progressive Christianity or walking away from fundamentalism or evangelicalism is like walking into the hands of Satan, you know? And, And it's kind of funny because like, I like, and we also get questions like, why are we still Christian? You know? So they're like, it's kind of hard to be on either side because, um, yeah, like we, we want to feel that we are for everyone, you know, and for everyone to feel comforted and, you know, Christian can be a very triggering term. Um, and so while we have landed in, you know, the Trinitarian faith, we also respect and love when people walk on their own journeys and people literally lose their minds over us saying that. And it, it is what it is. You know, people are like, how can you take the, the great commission and, you know, say those things. And it's, you know, my journey is not your journey is not your journey. And we are doing our best job at understanding truth, you know, and if I'm going to limit somebody to a small box of truth that I think, you know, is beneficial for me, Anyway, I'll so stop. you're no, you're um, you're kind of just like there's this resistance. It sounds like to the fact that you don't fit the atheist box, and you've still uh, in the realms of scripture, Bible, 
identifying as some form of Christian and then you get that resistance from Christians going, yeah, but you you kind of, you're not doing it right. You, you're reading the wrong <laughs> things. You're picking and choosing. You're, you're putting what you want on the Bible, not what it's actually saying. That's kind of the assumptions that you've, you've come across. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting because especially in my degree, um, we break down and like read the Bible as, as a narrative um, and like look for climactic moments in it and, you know, understand the characters. And we also uh, study a lot of history from a very unbiased perspective. It's a secular college um, university that I attend. So um, it's the University of Georgia. If anybody knows what that is on here, <laughs> um, uh, so no. you know, <laughs> well, man, you didn't you didn't say go dogs. Yeah, like, I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Uni- this university thing that you guys have is like y- it would blow your mind how unenthusiastic Australians are at university. We go there, we sit in a class, and we go home. There is no cheerleading, there is no football. You just get your degree and leave. <laughs> it is. I guess it's an American thing because it is, yeah. There's when a cult they were following around, oh yeah, they football, were threatening especially to, in the South. Oh yeah, UGA. American football. They were threatening to cancel football, and all of the students were like lamenting. It was, it was a bad time. A big but deal. Alas, a big we have deal. Football. They saved the football, so. That's right. Um, I did hear that. I did hear that. So you, you're studying, you, you're studying religion at, but not at a seminary, at a theological seminary or something like that. It's at a, just a university and it's, it's like all, it's like many religions or it's just Christianity or what's the. So it's many religions. Um, I've taken classes on Islam, classes on Buddhism, East Asian religion. Um, and I just really enjoy like understanding worldviews outside of my own, because I think that they're all valid and they all have truth and people hate me saying that, but you know, this is, this is what I'm studying. This is what I love. Um, and it's like super ignorant for me mm-hmm. to say like, Oh, I'm a Christian. Everybody else is going to help. Uh, you know? Yes. So well, <laughs> Super assumption. I, I should have leveled. And this is the obvious one. Uh, I'll use the dirty you word. You guys are universalists. Then that's what will be thrown. Yeah. That that's often be... thrown at us. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's slight, <laughs> There's confusion. Terms are, you know, a little bit unhelpful at times because there's such a spectrum, but there's Christian or patristic universalism, which is one of the three prominent uh, eschatological perspectives when you look at church history. And And eschatological um, being like what's going to happen at the end of days type thinking. Exactly. Yes. And I don't want to get too heady and theological. Some people may be there. Some people may not. But what I was trying to say is universalism is one way to describe it. But when you say that, a lot of people think, well, you're minimizing the person of Jesus and basically saying that all paths lead to God. And yeah, I mean, that's not what Christian universalism is or another way to put it is universal reconciliation, ultimate redemption. It's been known by lots of different names but yeah so but we've been called many things i think like for us like you can label us whatever you want i i don't mind anything that people try and call me anymore it's just kind of like okay like if you want to believe that that's fine because <laughs> i have my beliefs about other people and yes. it's like it won't change like yeah. who, what i believe about you will not change who you are what you believe about me will not change who i am so if you want to label me X, Y, and Z, you're like, okay, if that, if that helps you, if that makes you feel better, if that, you know, not in like a, in a mean way, but like, if that's what 
you feel you need to say, that's fine, you know? So. Yeah, I think it's ultimately, I think we're we're learning to allow people to have the opinions that they want and knowing that we don't have anything to prove. Like through deconstruction, which is so hard for a lot of people because it can feel messy, disorienting, scary, um, you know, insert emotion. And a lot of times it's hard for people to um, let go of the fear of needing to like measure up to people's opinions. And when you really let go of that and, you know, genuinely know who you are and that you're loved no matter what, that at the end of the day, people can say whatever they want to say. Um, but you know, what's true of your journey and you know, what's true, true of, uh, your, your experience, no matter what, you know, people want to sling at us. And so that's been helpful is staying grounded in our identity and really truly knowing that we're, we're coming to a place where we we're fundamentally seeing God as purely love. And if that's true, then, and we're children of God, then we are inherently loved and that's, that's it. It's simple. And when we overcomplicate it, yeah, it just gets messy. <laughs> you, you, you both seem to currently at least fit the trend that I have just been following and the millennial trend that seems to be people deconstructing, meaning questioning the beliefs that were handed growing up and going, does this work? Does this not? And then pulling it apart going, maybe not this, maybe not that. And the assumptions are always, well, then you're an atheist. You don't believe in God at all from within, from within the community that someone's deconstructed from. Um, that that's the general assumption. Ah, well they've left, they're doing what they want. Um, they're atheists now, but from uh, like, I'm a millennial, you're millennials. I don't know if your experience is the same as mine, but Almost, well, I would say 95% of the people I grew up and went to church with are no longer going to church anymore. However, they are not atheist and many still would maybe find themselves similar to where you are saying, well, we're Christian, but we've deconstructed a lot of different ideas. Talk to me, or at least the starting point of like this idea of toxic theology that you seem to be unpacking in the work that you're doing right now and why you're still Christians and, and talk me through the journey that you went on to go, okay, what is toxic theology? And is there such a thing as non-toxic theology? I know for me, I, you know, like being an atheist coming into this like Trinitarian faith um, that, you know, I had never been a part of a faith before. You know, I was not spiritual as an atheist. I know some atheists can be spiritual, but that was not me. You know, it was just like, nothing happens. And I hate Christianity. Um, Dawkins is the man. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I converted to Christianity, um, I, you know, felt felt worth for the first time. And that was my experience. Um, I know a lot of people are indoctrinated in a different way. But since it was more of an experience for me coming from an atheistic perspective to a Christian perspective, it was, um, yeah. But after I started walking in like through churches and different friend groups and stuff like that, I just realized like, this isn't right. (laughs) There's something wrong. (laughs) You know, like I, I had been in therapy like my whole life because I had a lot of 
you know, problems growing up. Um, and when I got into this Christian faith, it just seemed so opposite of everything that I had been told to maintain a healthy life, like work through your feelings, you know, like trust your autonomy. Like, and that was a huge thing for me because I, uh, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder when I was 12. So to get saved into a faith that told me that I was very wicked and my flesh was sinful, it just like it wrecked me because I went from like healing that part of me to then hearing that I'm like totally depraved, that nothing good is in me except for the blood of that is covering me that is Jesus. And that just like made my self-hate, like it was like an unhealthy, like I need this. This is the purpose that I'm alive to hate myself, you know? And it was so comfortable for me because that had, that was my journey my whole life. Um, so are you saying that it like your, your journey with your eating disorder had like this level of like self-loathing or like, um, can you talk to me about like the correlation that you're, you seem to be drawing there between the worldview yeah. that you were handed within Christianity and the, and the self view that you had growing up? Um, so it's kind of like when you hear, like you view God, the father through your earthly father, you know, and you put those ideas onto him. It's kind of the same, like self-hatred was so real for me that when I got saved into Christianity or converted to Christianity, it was, sorry, I hate the term saved. Let me just apologize for using that. I really like, I'm using that out of my vocabulary. It's really not, um, something I want to use anymore, but trying to deconstruct that lingo too. (laughs) Um, but when I converted to Christianity, you know, um, it became very comfortable immediately because it was what I was already doing. And so it became like, Oh, like I can not lean into who I am. I can like cover myself up and my flaws up with this like fake, you know, and that's not everybody's experience, but I think we cling to what is comfortable and what we know and what we've learned. Um, And so like, let's say like you're raised by a narcissist and you get to church and your church leader is a narcissist. That's going to be very comfortable and familiar. And you're going to like heed that information and, and take it on because that's, that's your leadership for you. That's what you understand. And so coming into like fundamentalist Christianity and evangelical Christianity, where you're just taught that you're like this wicked, sinful, evil person, which is like the narrative that everybody believes about themselves. That's when I just could never be comfortable with, you know, this message. Um, What What do you think was helpful about that? narrative that you had so you had this self-loathing narrative growing up that mm-hmm. uh, maybe contributed to an eating disorder and then going being an atheist going like I don't I don't believe in any of this stuff what do you think worked like why did you end up going into a church that said the same thing and what worked about those ideas for you for you to make this probably a, a large like it seems like a, a big leap to be like an almost evangelical atheist to evangel literal evangelical Christian. Like the ego has to shift a lot to be like, my identity's in like, nah, you're all idiots. And now I'm like, actually, nah, you, you have something. That's like, that's not nothing to like make that shift. What worked about that worldview for you when you stepped into it? Cause something must've worked. Yeah. Um, so I was working through the 12 steps at the time. <laughs> if you know what that is. 
Um, so I was in, you know, it's often referred to as AA, uh, but I was in EDA, Eating Disorders Anonymous. And it, you know, it was something where I was able to connect with a higher power. And like, I'm just speaking from my experience, like, like I, since I am still in the faith, I do believe that it was an encounter with love, you know, cause I, it's hard for me. And like, this is another thing I'm deconstructing is the term God and something that we learn in, uh, you know, my, my school, um, and like the classes that I've taken is that, uh, every name for God that we use is a placeholder. And so I've challenged myself to really like change the term God to be love. And, and, you know, like, so when we say like, God shall not be mocked. And if, we say love shall not be be mocked. It makes so much more sense because when we mock love, we mock each other and it degrades ourselves. And it just like, everybody wants to experience love. Everyone wants to, you know, love one another. So when we say like, God shall not be mocked, it it just like changes everything. So um, it just takes it from this like scary thing to like, no, like, of course we want to like not mock love. Who wants to like scoff at love, you know? Um, so when I came into, uh, Christianity, uh, it, you know, was because I, I truly believe that I, you know, had an encounter with love. Um, and so that pulled me through a lot of like the toxic things that I knew weren't him and, but that were put on me that I felt were Christianity, which kind of just turned out in my worldview to be. Yeah. Pharisee. I think a lot of what she's even described um, of, was like she didn't learn a lot of the religious bullshit until after the fact. Mm-hmm. So she has this pure encounter with the the in the presence of Jesus, and it's like I I I know like deep in my heart that I'm loved by the one who's made me and who's who and and that fundamentally opens my eyes to this inherent worth that I have and not this self-hatred. So it was this cutting against of the narrative that was believed. And it was only until later that she was actually taught like, oh no, like actually you are a depraved, like rotten, filthy sinner. You should not trust your heart because it's Mm -hmm. wicked. And you know, all this, this extra baggage thrown on top. It's like, we want people to be free and we want people to know that they're loved, but then once they experience it, no, no, you got to jump through all these, these hoops and climb these ladders mm-hmm. to actually keep it. Can I address the question? Yeah, go um, for it. Okay. So for me personally, like that's my journey. I'll just read the question for the, yeah, for the for listeners. A friend of the show, Michaela says, I love being free in my atheism and hold love as my highest principle. So what is still Christian about your belief as you're describing? There's this love that is the often the word God is used for love. Yeah, go for it. I don't, I don't feel like love is monopolized by Christianity. Um, and so for me, I don't feel like you have to be a Christian to partake in love. Um, and that's something that's like very heretical being a Christian saying um, is that I don't believe that you have to be a Christian to partake in, in love. Um, because again, with this message that like you're totally depraved and dead in your sin, I don't believe that. Um, I don't believe that you have to convert or be saved or, or these things to partake in love. 
So what would you say then the difference between you being a Christian with love as the highest ideal and a friend of the show, Michaela, saying, I'm an atheist with love as my highest ideal? What, what, what do you think the difference might be? So for me, um, I don't view it as different. Um, and that's again, you know, like we're called your favorite heretics. Um, I would see it different. Yeah. So we're very different. But for me, um, I feel like, you know, and, and that goes kind of down into psychology, like, well, why do you love? And I feel like I can love impurely, you know, I can love for selfish gain. But like, so can, and you know what I'm saying? So I think the motive of love and, and pure love um, is important. And as long as we're partaking in that, I feel like we're partaking in love. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to be a Christian or fit in a box because I don't believe in total depravity. I believe mm-hmm. in autonomy and I believe that we have... Um, yeah, just like intrinsic worth and value. And I don't see it as our camera just died. <laughs> um, yeah. but you're not going to have video after this part. Yeah, but, yeah, that's, that's, um, right. that's just kind of where I am, you know. I'm so, still Derek, out, as, as, you hear, as you hear that question, what's your like, what's your take on it then? Sure. So, um, I, I want to just kind of make the differentiation. So, like, I agree with basically everything of what Rachel's saying. But I will add the caveat that like, and someone asked, you know, then why Christianity? And I would say strictly the person of Jesus. Um, I I believe that, you know, that he is God and man, that, that he is absolutely the the exact representation of uh, God's nature. And um, he shows us, well, before I even go down that road, I think the incarnation is a significant event and showing us God's intent for all of humanity that we were, that not only have we always dwelt in union, but um, that's been God's desire for us to realize all along. So this salvation is us becoming awakened to the reality and the truth that has always been the case for all along. And that's, Mm. we've, we've been made from love for love and through love. And so Jesus is love incarnate. He's love embodied and he's love in action. And he came to show and clarify all of these false images that we've had about God. You know, a lot of Jesus's language was, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And he's subtly correcting the religious mindset throughout his Mm -hmm. entire life and ministry. But then you Mm -hmm. see a climax in the cross that, and here's where, you know, uh, a lot of even our view of the, the gospel, right, is has changed. Um, you know, it can be commonly seen as Christus Victor if you want to get mm-hmm. super theological, but it's this idea that Jesus um, submitted even to our worst darkness, that in his death, he reconciled all humanity to himself. Not that we were ever separate, but we needed convincing that we've never been separated. And so this idea is that death was then defeated, which was our greatest enemy. And now we have the security and the stamp and seal of certainty in the sense through the resurrection. And, and so the gospel is our, 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 our anchor of hope that life always is greater than death, that this, this cycle of, of death that, and decay that we can't really escape no matter how hard we fight against it. 
you know, no hot matter how hard we want to medicate uh, with whatever it is. And I don't mean that strictly from a like pharmaceutical sense. I just mean like whether it's yeah. an addiction or whether it's a behavioral pattern or a relationship or whatever it might be, we're fighting against this decay that is the pattern of death at work in the cosmos. Um, the reality is, is that life we see through the resurrection is actually the final answer. Life has checkmated uh, death. And as um yeah, when you say that, like uh like would you say that then like death is the enemy? So I'm I'm thinking of like a lot of progressive Christians would have the idea that they would probably take a very Richard Raw idea where it's like death is inherent in all and life, death, resurrection is all part of the pattern. Um would you how would you describe that or differ from this, I suppose the progressive christian or religious idea that says death isn't to be feared it isn't something to be defeated it's something to be embraced that new life grows from what would you, what would you define as different about what you're describing now i i think uh, i'll just touch on this and then i'll let you get to it. i love richard Rohr. i think he's just in a depth of wisdom um and you know, I, I, I'm not super well up on, well read up on Roar. I've read one of his books. I've listened to podcasts with him, et cetera. But I will say that um, I, I do love how he talks about that life, death, and resurrection pattern that's intrinsic to, to the cosmos. cosmos. Um, you know, we see that even through our seasons, right? There's this, you know, the, the new life that comes at spring and then we have the heat of summer and then this death happens and then the falling of the leaves from the tree. And it's like this removal and then the winter comes and this barrenness and this coldness. And then from that emerges again, this new life. And so, um, anyway, what I, what I was trying to get at is I think that when we say defeating death and Jesus defeating death, it's, it's this act of, of, of willful submission and love because love submits freely. And so in, in that submission of love, it's, it's this, it's like he swallows it up in a sense. So it's, it's not like uh, an arm wrestling match kind of thing, but it's more of a, that embrace like you talked about that then leads to this, this, conquering i don't know if i did a good job at explaining what i was trying to communicate the the language that uh, that you're using derek it it doesn't seem too far from many christian language they would use to describe it and it gives me and this is where i might like see if i'm on the right track here it gives me the idea of you're talking about like are you still talking about like a literal resurrection and talking about a literal heaven that we are saved from through the figure of Jesus? You would still subscribe to that idea of salvation as being like, uh, we can live for heaven literally. So I think we have a very strange, uh, perspective of, uh, and I, I think it, it has its, um, ties to a lot of, um, mythology, where we we've we've taken heaven to be this up there and the you know hell uh, however you want to understand it's down there and so it's like these geographical locations that we've we've made that are like we point up and down kind of thing and um, I, I don't believe them to be geographical locations as much as it is uh, 
relationship to to God, um, and that or like I metaphysical mean, I, even. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's and so I would say that heaven is all around us, and and that we may not be able to perceive it, um, but I don't think it's like um, somewhere past you make a left past Jupiter and it's, you know, well, when you even <laughs> talk about like the kingdom of God, you know, the kingdom mm-hmm. of God is the here and now it's not, the and it's kingdom within of God, you know, and yeah. you know, yeah. who actually has a really, really great breakdown that just like, she just made this is Joe Lumen, mm-hmm. um, literally breaks down everything with heaven and hell mm-hmm. and the Greek and the mythology. And that has been so healing for me personally. So if I could do a plug in, we a are a, what? A, a plug, a pl- oh, plug, a, in. A plug, in. plug in anything you um, like. So for, for me, like the reason that I have still, cause like, I remember there were nights during, cause like, I didn't know what deconstruction was. I just had four years of a very bad time, like very bad time, like traumatizing time. Um, so I didn't know it was called deconstruction. I just knew that I wanted nothing to do with God. And that I, I, I was just done. I didn't go to church. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray. I, I did all the things that I, you know, I, I did what I wanted. And lo and behold, I didn't start going out and like murdering people. And I didn't start like doing things that were just this wicked, awful thing that people are so afraid is going to happen, you know? Um, but at the same time, like I walked away from all like the bullshit and like, I felt peace and that was so scary. Um, so dig in maybe both of you and, and I'd like to, um, Derek, if you can like work in your journey, cause it, it seems like you grew up evangelical Christian until you were ex-evangelical. So as, as you're thinking, you can work, you can work that in there, in there somewhere as well. But when you say all the bullshit that you've left, which I'm assuming is the toxic theology, I'd like to hear what you're talking about and the effects that that had on you so much that now you've gone, I can't do it anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so really, I mean, do you want the spark notes version? I can give you a longer, like leading up to what culminated in blah, blah, blah. But you let me know how we're doing with time and all, all kind of. Okay. Uh, yeah, we got time. Okay, cool. So I'll try to to work through it as quick as possible. But basically, uh, I, you know, grew up very standard evangelical. Um, but a lot of the portrait that I had of God was um, someone that was like impossible to please. And I thought that the definition of being a Christian was being like a good, good boy. Like that that's what I heard growing up. It's like, you, you don't cuss, you don't, you know, do bad things, um, whatever that means. And then it's basically striving for per- perfection. And so the more and more I chased after that, the greater this religious mask that I wore was because there wasn't any inner transformation. There was a lot of a just charade that I played and knew how to rehearse the right answers. I knew how to, you know, Basically, you didn't feel or experience the transformation you'd been promised by this. Like you'll be a whole new person. You'll be like, like super generous and giving and like all of these, like 
level up as a human, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Get my superpowers. Um, and, and, and really, I mean, there was genuine longing to, to know, uh, the person of Jesus, um, you know, throughout my upbringing, but I think it was just so steeped in legalism and just this like, yeah, this like tire, tiring, just exhaustive process of trying to earn the approval of God. And, um, it really burnt me out. I, in fact, I, I hinted at it earlier in Bible college, um, that led to my burnout, but part of what it was too, is I just knew that, um, this God, I, I was told that I had to please, um, that wasn't the right view. And, 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 and so my experience, try not to use like cliches. Um, my experience began to contradict a lot of these ideas that I had. And so, um, Brennan Manning, uh, if anyone knows who that is, he wrote this book called Abba's child. Um, and Abba is the Aramaic word for father. Um, and it's the word that the New Testament Jesus even used to describe God. And to me, it was this, uh, the more and more I got to know God as Abba, it really changed my life. Um, and, and instead of feeling like I needed to endlessly perform and please and all these things and jump through all these hoops, there was this real inner rest. And I'm like, oh, like I'm unconditionally loved. Like I don't have to do shit to prove my my worth. Like I am totally loved. Um, and that changed everything for me. But what that allowed for me to do is embrace this freedom that that I wasn't scared to question things. I went through, you know, a time of of intense depression and anxiety and all these things where I felt like Faith itself was pretty intangible, but the person of Jesus and this experience of his nearness, I, I, you know, I can't really explain it in in any other way, truly, um, was what kept me holding on, if you will. Um, and I, I really felt like it was a genuine friendship with God and it wasn't like this religious game. I felt like it was, I started to see inner transformation. I, I, I felt peace. I felt loved. I felt like these fruits of the spirit were something that made up my life. And it wasn't this game that I was playing for people to think of me as awesome. Um, it was something that began to change me. So anyway, fast forwarding, as I began to um, experience just some disconnect around questions around hell, I, I was like, how do I reconcile this Abba that I know to be totally loving and good? And this, idea of hell. And I, I was a new dad at the time too. Um, and so this experience as well of being a dad and imagining me putting my son through endless torture, if he, for some reason, wanted nothing to do with me, was really the initiation of my deconstruction and realizing a lot of our modern cons constructs of what we understand hell to be is actually not really truthful to scripture altogether. So <laughs> that was that was it for me so it's it it sounds like as you as you're going through this this journey there's the, there's a common thread as i hear from both of you that seems to be there seems to be something real within your experience of christianity whether that be it this 
this love, this connectedness to something greater than you have experienced before. But as you enter into, uh, for you, Rachel, or as you as you continue through, Derek, this this, this evangelical expression of Christianity, there's there's harmful or unhelpful ideas and theologies that prevented you from ever experiencing the peace and love that you were that you were I suppose promised because it sounds like because you haven't come out like the other side and thrown it all away and I, I suppose what I'd like to know is before we get to some of these questions that Michaela is sending through which are which are, I guess interesting questions from atheists being like why are you still Christians then but I want I want to know before that I want to know what are the toxic and unhelpful ideas, expressions of Christianity that you have that you have just gone? This makes me a worse person, and I have to throw this away. Uh oh my gosh! Can I just like rattle them off? <laughs> Go. So our most Go. recent and, and tell me like really good. <laughs> tell me like how it impacted you. Like this is like what it was, and this is how it like personally led me to in what direction. So I'm going to start revelation revelation. Oh my gosh. That is like the most toxic, like I could cry. That's what my PTSD was diagnosed over. Um, that is such a misunderstood book that has caused the American church in particular to go like ballistic. Most recently it has caused us to not care for our earth because Jesus is just coming back. You know, it has caused us to like, like divide with one another and saying like, you're like the lake of fire, lava. Like it's just, anyway. Conspiracy That theories. one, conspiracy so theories. Um, oh, so you're saying that like the particular reading of Revelation, which is end times, Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. So the earth's going to get crap. So this is a sign of it. So climate change, all these things, it's, it's going to, it's, it's all going to hell anyway. So let's not do anything about climate change. It, you're saying it like primes people for like conspiracy theories as well in that like, yes. they, they, <laughs> right. Okay. Very, very, very bad. Um, like YouTube conspiracy theories. Um, and then like women in the church, I like, that is honestly my biggest beef right now is how like there's the complementarian view and the, um, I can never say it correctly. Thank you. And a lot of people are complementarian and it just, it kills my soul because I am. Meaning we're we're equal, but different. And by different, I mean, you can't be a leader. I can't. We're different. It's Um, equal though, but we're different. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm learning, honestly, it's like, I'm reading a book called Her Story. I highly recommend it. It's women in church history and how men were so uncomfortable with women being leaders that they created scripture. And and this is where people that believe that scripture is inerrant will differ. Um, But scholars agree, and a lot of scholars agree, that certain verses in the Bible talking about women not leading were added in later in different um, versions and not by Paul himself. Um, And that's in that book that is put together by amazing scholars called Her Story, second edition. Um, And so it breeds this like ideology that women need to be submissive and kind and like the tender hearted. And I, I was never that 
And I struggled so much when he started dating me. I felt like I'm not this like kind person. That's just this and this and this. And it like, it really messed with me. So women in the church revelation. Um, oh, evangelicalism as a whole, just literally like coming from an atheist background and being a Christian and feeling like to love somebody, I had to save them from the gates of hell. What, like I could cry because that is not love. Like I really do get emotional because when you go into a conversation with an agenda, it, that's not love immediately. That's not love unless it's for a a care of them. That is not, I want to change you. It's, I want to add to your life, you know? And so, and a lot of like, and, and that's the cognitive distance of it is that, oh, well, caring for somebody is saving them from the gates of hell, but that's part of deconstruction where you, there is, there is no love and fear or there is no fear. Oh my gosh. Where am I? What am I saying? There is no fear in love is what I'm trying to say. You're saying that this idea that evangelicalism has, I suppose, even you have to evangelize and to, and to love, to care about someone, they're going to burn forever. I better stop them from burning forever. But you're saying that that need to change somebody's mind about something is the barrier that seems to be placed between them and them truly being able to love or accept. So if I go to a conversation with you going, I'm going to, I'm going to change your mind. I'm not encountering you two as humans. I'm just encountering you as projects to be more like me. That's kind of what you're painting there. Yeah. And so I feel like for me, like I have landed in the Trinitarian faith because I feel like that is what helps me and being connected to, you know, who I understand God to be is what is, is the path that I'm on, you know, but if I go up to somebody and I say, your path is invalid and you need to follow my path and my understanding of God and Jesus, because it's all just theory. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to demand that you change. That's not, that's not the move, you know, um, because Calvinism and fundamentalism mm-hmm, is, is just a theory. <laughs> you know, what would you say to, I suppose, the pushback that people uh, from the other side might say is that, well, why are people trying to convince people or change people's mind on climate change? Like, why are they trying to change people's mind on, it's, it's, they might read it as like, you, you don't believe that there is an objective truth to convince people of. Because I suppose they would, they, would con- they would put their worldview in the objective truth basket with all these other things we might put in there and go, I'm just sharing what is real about the world and, and you think climate change is and I think a literal hell is. We're just convincing people of the, the real world. Yeah. And I feel like that's part of taking the responsibility of understanding this Bible that you hold and not weaponizing it and, and decolonizing it. Um, because when you weaponize the Bible, it go, and that's from a place of privilege. You know, you have this Bible, sorry. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm super passionate about it because when we use love as a, as a weapon against somebody, the essence of love as a weapon, it, it becomes toxic and that's toxic theology. Um, when, so with climate change, And with, um, let's talk about, you know, just the climate of everything in the world right now, like wearing a mask, you know, how that is so controversial. Um, 
doing something in love. Ugh, how do I how do I say this without? <sighs> When you weaponize the Bible, it, it will breed things like, oh, you're going to hell. So I need to evangelize to you. But that's the responsibility that you need to take to deconstruct that. Um, and I understand that we have different views, but this is just where I'm landing and I'm speaking from where I've landed. Um, so this is not me saying like, you well, you have to decolonize the Bible. There's just no, because that just breeds racial injustice. That breeds, you know, like evangelizing different countries and taking away their culture and you know it, it it it's awful what you're pointing to as the difference indirectly it sounds like you're saying let's look at the outcome of this position people are trying to convince people of their own reality all the time and something and that can get in the way of us truly connecting with the human no matter what we're trying to convince somebody of but it seems what you're really addressing is saying there are some things that have hurtful outcomes so if if you're if you're driven to convince me of hell what is the outcome for you as you're sharing your experience of ptsd dealing with this very heavy concept of burning in a literal place forever so it's like what is the outcome of these beliefs and how do these i suppose help people um i uh, do you guys want to say anything in a particular direction anything you you kind of feel like you want to address if not i can i can point you yeah yeah so just kind of like wrapping up that question real quick is where i've landed is do we know the absolute truth we don't Right. And so for me to say that I have the absolute truth or for a fundamentalist to say that they have the absolute truth or for uh, anybody outside the faith to say that they have the absolute truth is just naive. And this is the, mm -hmm. our best guess of figuring life out. And so yeah. for me, I've landed here. And for me to push that off on somebody is not not love. Yeah. Um when you were talking yeah, they about, have to accept it. When you were talking about truth, um, I was recently listening to a podcast, uh, which is one of my favorites, The Bible for Normal People. Um, and I'm going to plug them all day long. Uh, Pete Enns, Jared Bias, great guys. Uh, Jared just came out with a book. And he was talking about, basically, the, the, the thesis for the book is that whole speaking the truth in love thing. Um, and how that's often used as <laughs> like a, a justification to be an asshole spiritually. Be like, well, I'm loving you, so I'm going to speak the truth. No, actually, you're just being a dick. Like, and that's not really being loving. Um, but what what Jared brings up throughout the book, and I haven't read it yet, but when he's talked about it, it's basically that um, love is the highest call. And... Mm -hmm when we say speak the truth and love, it should be, how are we loving and therefore speaking something that's true? And so, and I'm probably not even doing the greatest job. Just go listen to the podcast where Jared talks about <laughs> um, that whole book, which is just super exciting for me because I think that that's often a lot of pushback that we get or anyone gets who is challenging the conventional and someone tries to box you in 
And so Jared also packed, unpacks this idea of truth and like, well, what is truth? And the Bible often just defines truth as faithful. It's like, it's, it's this idea that like, so even like Jesus saying something like I'm the way, the truth and the life, like he's saying that I'm, I'm true. Like I, you can trust me. Like I'm faithful. And, um, anyway, so there's just this idea that like, I think we oftentimes insert our own understanding back into what the Bible's trying to say. And this idea of objective truth, like is a modern construct as well. So whether or not we want to admit it, we don't have primary real estate on truth. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if we want to be intellectually honest, like. And I feel like that's part of decolonizing Christianity too, because when, you know, I've done a lot of study on Zululand in Africa and how when the colonizers came, um, it was because the missionaries came before them and gave everything to the colonizers. Um, And so they had an in on what they were doing, where they were, what their beliefs were. Um, And so Christianity and colonizing were were married in that and how they needed, it's called the humiliation thesis, which is like breaking them down so that they're able to have, and it's vulgar and I hate using this language, but in their journals, they specifically stated so that they can understand that they're inferior to the white man. It, like it's gonna make me cry. Um, and like that's that's what having a monopoly on theology leads to, you know. And it's just so frustrating that like that has then snowballed, you know, America colonized with the Bible. And so we look at how we now believe that we have this monopoly on theology and this monopoly on God and what that does you know, it isolates, it makes people feel less than, it makes people feel, you know, they have to have this certain way of thinking or they're damned to hell. And so I'm just going to give up because I don't believe that, you know? And so like in, uh, somebody asked earlier, like, well, why God still, I, I genuinely believe that I've reclaimed that, like that and who God is. And it's, it does not look like anything that I believe Christianity to be. Um, it's almost like it's a completely different religion to me, honestly, because I just see God as like, not a person, not a gendered being, not a, somebody sitting up in heaven. Like, I just have this picture of this like essence of love and, and I don't, and revealed through the person of Jesus. Um, and I don't see it any other way. Yeah. I don't see this. Mm retributive you know like i just literally see like this ball of like i don't know but like that symbol that's given to me like this and just like the pure essence of love. yeah maybe like the yeah the essence of love the the substance of love yeah so when you say like well what about climate change what about you know putting your mask on it's because like love is also justice love is loving your neighbor and that's that's fighting for them and that's you know putting a sign out in our front yard that like movement, not moment, you know, and like wearing a mask for the people that are around you because that like any act of injustice is an assault on love, you know, an an assault on loving your neighbor. It's not this, you better do right. It's, it's, I don't know. If love is conditional and if love is one side of a two-sided coin that is also 
like punishment or else Mm -hmm. it's not real love yeah love has no strings attached love has has no agenda other than to see your ultimate good and i think that when again the problem with deconstruction as well is that people want you to have all these justifications for why you believe or why you don't believe certain things and it's like well you may not have that and that's okay and that's going back to what i was saying even at the beginning we don't owe anyone any like thesis any detailed answer it's great to have reasons we don't and you don't right so that's not a we don't owe you anything it's you guys don't owe anybody anything but anyway what i was trying to say too is is just that i think that there's this pressure a lot of times as well for us to have this certainty this these concrete answers around what we're believing and Mm -hmm. i think that the truth is that like going in the way of love that yes that and for me (laughs) and we're ever evolving and so we're constantly reevaluating our answers and constantly asking new questions. And I think that's the dynamic process of what a healthy relationship with God is meant to look like. It's us walking in the way of love and becoming more like love. And that I believe is being most an image bearer of God. So Um, in the great commission, when it says go and make disciples, um, we've got that question a lot. And I talked to my professor about this and it's literally, it's just going the way of love. That's what it is. Yeah. I'm hearing this, this emphasis and the fact that you are drawn to how can I love my neighbor the best and the most. And there's, you've gone through a journey of atheism, evangelicalism and come out some brand of some self-identification as Christian and trying to get rid of all the things that prevent you from seeking justice, all the ideas that don't lead you to being a more kind and loving person. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the trend I'm hearing. And because we're out of time, um, thanks so much for, for taking the time to, to chat with, with me and, and share some of like your journey. There's definitely like so much to, to cover. And I think what I find fascinating about both, both your stories is, I think it is the blueprint of most of our generation and who knows, like if, if you, if you ever have time and and you want to come back on and chat, I'd love to dig into the idea of we've gone that we found this toxic, these toxic ideas within Christianity, but I'm also hearing you say, well, I don't think that is Christianity. It's not what I think it is. And many atheists might, or yeah, non-believers, however they want to describe themselves, might be continually asking the questions like we got in the live chat here, being like, well, why the Bible then? Why God? If it's if it's been colonized and weaponized and used to repress people, why are you still there? Why are you even bothering with this when you could throw it all out and find the same thing somewhere else? It's, it all sounds like a big question, but I don't think we have time to get to it. Well, unless you we, want to, we do like, have a couple more minutes, like maybe just a few more minutes. This will be the last thing. And I'll, I don't mind answering that real quick. Yeah. And Brad Jersak, I know, is someone that you had as a guest on the show uh, at one point. And I think he would say something similar, which re- really resonates with me. This is, this is how I would respond, is having met the real person of Jesus myself, I can't help but not 
want to know him more. And, and the more I get to know this real person, um, the more I'm just drawn to him. And, and that's, it's not a statement of condemnation if that's not where you're at, but it's just a clarifying point of, I find the person of Jesus and this story uh, of the gospel to be truly compelling for my life. And not from a retributive or else you're condemned to hell. Like it's, I just want to know him. And that, that's just. It takes away the religion aspect and it just like, I don't know. Cause like for me, like if Christianity is not true, like it's like not going to super rock my world because like, I know that I'm walking in the way of love. Um, and so like to know the person of Jesus, apart from the pressure, apart from this literal hell, apart from this wrathful God, like it just makes it enjoyable, you know? And like, I, if you asked me a year ago, if I would ever be at this place, I'd be like, no, fuck that. Like, fuck, sorry, sorry. Like, like, I I will never, because God, (laughs) like God is just wrathful. Like there's no, you know, but like. I, I feel like I have come to this place because I've let it all go and I've taken, not taken the parts that mean that, you know, I'm not picking and choosing as people would say, but mm-hmm. like nothing will ever be in vain if it's done in love. And I feel mm-hmm. like people are like, you can't do things not in vain apart from God. And it's like, well, that's because it's love, you know, <laughs> but yes. Interesting. I, th- I think, um, yeah, definitely so many more like different ideas to 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 unpack and explore but definitely for another time thanks so much for taking the time ah well then you're in i'll let me check with the manager uh yeah okay cool it says he says it's cool (laughs) um because because this is this is something that i think is very fascinating and very common it's 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 why not throw the whole thing out and you've started to kind of unpack that and i really like that if you're listening to this conversation and you're like fuming because you're like oh what the hell how can they how can they be thinking that um it's been awesome to see some people in the live chat putting through questions who i know personally great friends of the show more atheist minded but just curiously asking questions that's the point so if you're listening to this and you're like i just don't fully get what is meant by the person of jesus or whatever send through some questions remember if you want to get involved in the show three things uh listen to the episode that most triggers you number two comment a question what did i miss what do you wish you could have found out and three send a dm like what what did this episode make you think we're active on instagram you can contact uh the show at ideas ideas gmail.com your favorite heretics uh how can people get in contact with you uh, on instagram and the dms yeah so we are i'm in school full-time i have two kids well we have two kids <laughs> um and i'm also a coach and he works full-time so we love, would love to answer a ton of questions, um, but we're very limited on time. So our turnaround time to answering questions is like a week or two. Yeah, it's been... And it's heavy on the emojis. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, and if you want to give us a call, 867 so that, that That's a song. Don't. <laughs> okay. There's the phone number. I don't know I'm what sorry. the area code of America is. I think it's plus zero one. <laughs> give him a call. There give him a call. Go. Guys, thanks. Thank you so much for, for chatting to me. We'll be in touch and send through your questions because I feel I'm getting a feeling we got we got to get them back to like really dig into some of these ideas. Too much too much subject area to, to even begin, but that's a good that's a good flyover. I feel, I'm I'm now very curious. So thanks thanks so much for for joining us and we will catch you in the next episode.